Today's episode is a glorified rerun of episode number 84, which first streamed on October 25th, 2018. It's presented here in its complete entirety, so maybe you've heard it before, maybe it's new to you. Either way, uh, give it a listen, and Bob and I will will be back next Thursday with a brand new episode uh, taking a look at the greatest time travel saga of the 20th century, uh, Back to the Future, part uh, three. Here's this. Has he done anything else besides F Troop? Uh, a love boat, probably. Probably. Actually, we should name the actors who have not done a love boat. That might take less time. Harrison Ford is one I can think of. Roman Polanski. Actually, I bet Roman Polanski could if they were in international waters. Oh, he could be on the love boat. Andy okay. Warhol was on it. He's not a he's not a sex criminal. He's an artist. But he was on it. Maybe they could have like the mustache from Salvador Dali come on the boat, <laughs> and like meets and it meets the Frida Kahlo's eyebrow. Oh, that would be a connection. lovely story. I think so. I just displayed all I know about art that predates 1963. Hey, everyone! Ever and welcome to 20th Century Pop, the show where we try to understand our present while living in the past. I am Bob Canning. And I am Tim Blevins. How did that feel? How did it feel to open the show? It felt good. It feels better that you're not saying I did it wrong. Oh, because as the moment I asked how did that feel, I thought, oh, he's going to take that to be a judgment. <laughs> oh. He's going to be like, well, he's clearly asking no. this to get me to say something. I, I, I can't mistake when you are judging me because you come right out and say, hey, well, you said that wrong. And you oh, could have no. done that with a little more life. Or you got those words mixed up. Uh, so I feel like I, I think I know what you're saying. I've never said that. Have no, I? You've never, none of those. Th- oh, I'm no. I'm putting words in your mouth like you try and do with me. Well, the only thing I would have done is put the title of the show in your mouth. You told the <laughs> listeners, "Welcome to WKRP LMNOP in Cincinnati." I don't know. God, I you know what I can't do anymore? This I can't make jokes. Sure, you can. Yeah. Yeah, our listeners don't know that you've been making jokes for about 20 minutes. 20 and, years. And now we're uh, uh, getting into the show and you're a little, you're a little joked <laughs> a little, out. A little joked out, a little dry. <laughs> Maybe not the best co-host. <laughs> but I'm happy that you opened the show because I think in this conversation we're about to have, you're probably more of the authority. Because this, you're bringing this to the show this week. This, this, this week is very much, I, or at least I'm viewing it, correct me if I'm wrong. This is all you, what we're talking about this week for our special Halloween episode at the end of October. Well, I, I feel bad that it's not another witch episode in some I form. I feel very bad about that. Um, but perhaps there's a witch in there, but I don't think there is. No, yeah, we're going to talk about Monster Squad today. Yes. The 1970s short-lived Cinemarty Cross <laughs> series, The Monster Squad, no. that prior to recording, I talked about for four minutes so I could do that sentence once we recorded. No, Not no, we're talking one. about uh, the 1987 film, uh, Monster yes. Squad. And you're, you're, you're putting a lot of pressure on me um, that I'm bringing this, because here's the thing. I've probably seen Monster Squad twice. This you is see not- when it came out? Um, I don't know. I didn't see it in the theaters. Oh, you didn't? No. I saw oh. it on cable and loved it. 
and maybe saw it a second time or saw some of the beginning and then some of the end a second time. Um, I was unable to ever return to Monster Squad, as we might talk about a little bit. It is one of those movies where I, did, I only needed to see it twice to love it. Monster Squad is sort of an 80s homage or throwback to a prior time. Like right now, we're in an era where the 1980s are being remade into movies all the time. There are a lot of movies that just praise tropes of the 1980s, ideas of the 1980s. But Monster Squad, which came out in the 80s, had its roots very firmly in the old universal monster movies, the old, like, The Mummy, Frankenstein, Dracula, The Wolfman, and and I guess Creature from the Black Lagoon. Is that what the other character is? That is the one, yes. And I think we've talked about this before, but were you fans of those kind of movies? Did you like watching those old horror movies? Yes, this was when they were sort of... um, um, public domain, I think, and they were just on everywhere, it seemed, to me anyway. Um, They were just the Saturday matinee movie. It was Dracula, it was Return of Dracula, it was Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, Abbott and Costello meet the Wolfman. Um, It just seemed to be on every weekend. So yeah, I would watch those. I would watch those in the Godzilla monster movies, different ones of those. Um, So yeah, I absolutely loved them. I even had... uh, Universal Monster Toys. I had a set uh, that had a Wolfman, a creature from the Black Lagoon, and a and a Frankenstein monster, I think, and a dragon. The action figures, like posable action. Yeah, figures? it was posable action figures that were probably six inches tall. Oh, you could they move were their... taller than Star Wars. Yeah, they though. they came in uh, like a, a vinyl box that was shaped like a like a Dracula castle in a way, and you would open it up. You could open it up and there was it was like bricks or something in, in there. So it would be like a, a dungeon or a castle. It was pretty cool. You were familiar with these characters already. Yes. The, the, the monster characters. Yeah. Is he, that what brought you to see the movie? Uh, pr- yeah, probably. The fact that there was a wolf man in it and, and Dracula. That's what kept me there. Like, is Again, I can't remember exactly how I discovered it. I know I saw it on TV and not in the theater. And so whatever I did to flip to it, and I didn't know about it ahead of seeing it. Oh, you didn't? I didn't see it. You don't remember these commercials? I don't remember those commercials. Not at all. I don't remember. I didn't see enough movies that I would have seen a trailer for it or anything like that. So so it's those monsters that kept me watching. So as soon as I, I clicked on it and I saw that it was monsters and I saw it was kids, and I've said this before, anything where kids get caught up in some weird uh, adventure beyond their age um, I'll always stick around for that. Uh, and they've got to outsmart the adults and figure out a way to, to save the day. So this is very ready-made for you. At that age, yeah, for sure. The thing that made me want to see this movie, because I knew the characters, but I didn't have an affinity for Dracula. I wasn't seeking out Frankenstein. My brother liked the Wolfman, so I guess I liked the Wolfman enough. The only creature I was really interested about was the creature from the Black Lagoon, because I liked reptiles. So I thought that would be kind of cool. But when this movie was coming out, and it was definitely being aimed, it was a summertime release, I think it was being aimed at kids, there was this commercial that kept fucking playing all the time in the afternoon, or I guess in the evening on every show. You know, in typical commercials in the 80s, you're, you're getting some flashes of scenes from the movie, Monster Squad, and this is one moment, it's an exchange between two characters in the commercial, they're flashing back and forth. You see the Wolfman for a second, and you hear one of the characters shout, kick him in the... But then it cuts... 
he must have more to that line. But it cuts <laughs> to another character going, Wolfman don't have. And then it cuts back to the other kids saying, do it. And then you hear the Wolfman go. <laughs> and then the first kid or the second kid, I guess, one of the kids goes, wow, Wolfman's got. And then they cut it short so the announcer can say, Monster Squad. <laughs> so basically you're hearing an exchange of kick him in the Wolfman don't have. Do it. Rawr. Wolfman's got Monster Squad. And that's the dumbest I've ever sounded on the microphone. <laughs> I'm aware of that now, not when I started it. But I'm mentioning it because that commercial where they're editing out the word nads, which is slang for testicles, but they played it on TV. And that I do was believe it's f- nards, not nads. I think you're right. I'm sorry. It is nards. Yeah. Kick them in the nards. Wolfman don't have nards. Do it. Wolfman's got nards. Monster Squad. But they couldn't say Nards on TV. I apparently couldn't say it right now. I said Nads. <laughs> but I think somehow at that age, and this is what drew me to the movie, I was aware enough to know that they were cutting something out of this joke, that there was a dirtier joke there. I must. I don't know if I knew the word Nards. I don't know if I knew that's what he was saying, but I don't think I knew the word balls. So whatever it was, I knew that there was a little more to this joke. And for some reason, they couldn't show it on TV. And that must have been the draw for me. Because like you're saying, it's kids. That sounds fun. But I wanted to see this dirty comedy. I wanted to hear what was this line. Again, no real interest in the monster characters. I like ghosts. I like supernatural movies. I like horror movies. But I just wanted to hear that fucking joke. Because to me, it was like, this must be brilliant. They can't say the joke (laughs) on TV. And I'm getting to go see this. I saw in a theater without adults. This was the year after I saw Transformers the movie. So this was only probably the second time I'd gone to the movie theater without any parental guidance. And that was a big deal. And Monster Squad, in my mind, heading to it was going to be this dirty kid romp, like this hilarious comedy. I knew Ghostbusters. I probably thought it was going to be like Ghostbusters. So I was pretty excited to see it, to go to the theater to see it. And how did it turn out to be for you? I don't think the people I went with liked it. Yeah. I think they thought it was silly. I think they were pre-Mystery Science theatering it, probably heckling it. Mm. So I think I adopted that. I see. I don't think I experienced it as the movie I thought I could, because the people I was with were clearly disenchanted with it. So I think I thought it was silly. I got to hear my Nards joke, and I laughed at that. But overall, you know, we always do a little segment where we go, is this a good memory or a bad memory? I'm going to say for me, Monster Squad is probably a bad memory. And I've seen it since. I saw it at a re-release probably about 10 years ago on the big screen. And I'm sure I rented it a few times in the 90s. Wow. And it doesn't really stay with me. There's a couple things from the re-release I'll be interested to see when we watch it now if they come up. Because there was a few things I, I thought were odd choices, weird choices in the movie that were outside the realm of what the movie's about. So we'll talk about that if they come up. But... Yeah, this isn't something that was as important to me as I thought. That goofy commercial, which I love and makes me like it, this is probably not a good memory. What about you? Well, I mean, it's definitely a good memory for me. But I'm starting to question how much of a memory I really have of it. Because I I don't remember much of it. I remember some key moments. I remember really liking it and liking the idea of it and playing it afterwards, Um, you know. Oh, like acting it out? Like Like. acting it out or acting out what I thought it would be. Um, (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like 
I was just a kid in a squad that was fighting supernatural creatures, you know? That's a great uh, title. Monster Squad's yeah, an evocative title. Right? Um, I remember being scary, but I remember being funny. I remember there being this older gentleman character who was like the wise uh, uh, guide for the, the kids. He was giving them the secrets on on how to kill werewolves and what to do with Draculas and that stuff. I remember that guy and how I cool think that's it one of be. the characters we'll talk about because I think that's one of the things that I had some issues with. Yeah. I remember how cool it would be to, to have that knowledge and to have like a neighbor that would uh, um, imbue that on me and with me. And, and uh, yeah, I really liked it, but I really... As much as I liked it and as much as I thought it was very cool and the whole idea of it was cool, I never felt the urge to go back to it. As I got older and was able to rent things, I never rented it. Maybe it's because I couldn't find it. Um, I don't. Was this a hard one to find for a while? Yeah, was this I don't out of print or whatever? I remember seeing it on the shelves. I worked at a Blockbuster. I never saw it on the shelves at the blockbuster. The way you're talking about it, this does seem to resonate to you, but it adds. It also sounds like it's one of those things where it, that's what it is. It's the resonance of something. Yeah. Are you so you're not nervous about going back to see it? No, I'm excited. I'm very excited. Oh, all right. I'm thrilled. So <laughs> let's uh let's go check out Monster Squad. We'll watch it both of us and then when we come back, we'll uh probably make some nard jokes. I bet we will. I think we will. All right, Tim. We mm-hmm. we stepped away. We stepped away to watch Monster Squad. Yes, we did. And, and also to go trick or treating. And now we can talk about Monster Squad. This was the movie we hadn't seen in quite some time. Although I think you had seen it more often than I. Now we've both recently watched it. What's your first gut reaction to it? Why have we gone trick or treating? Because it's that's it's, it's oh it's this Thursday. You're right, I've Thursday got my days all confused. Up, yeah. Next week we'll go trick or treating. Oh, I just it would seem weird if I had gone by myself on October 25th <laughs> <laughs> to people's houses and and said trick or treat and expected anything. But um, are you? I I don't know if I'm gonna go, but maybe I will go before Thursday. Yes, but yes, this movie, Monster Squad. Right? You have to go trick or treating now because I've I've already said all this and we're gonna use it. So, but go I have to go early. That's go I have to go early. Go trick or treating tomorrow. And then in tell real people, time that we're recording this. I have to go tomorrow so that by the time this airs, yep. I'll have gone. And then you can also tell them your opinion of Monster Squad. I can do that now, though. I'll tell them, hey, tune in. <laughs> And I'll tell you. Um, yes, Monster Squad, I have seen it uh, recently. Um, what were you asking? What were you saying? I wanted to know your initial like gut reaction to it, having gone back and watched it for like, the first time in a while. I think I had two reactions, one of which was resting on the contingence of knowing you and I were going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing I'll say is I think this movie tells you what it is very early on. And I liked, I liked this movie. I don't love it, but I do like it. Um, my feeling is that you love it because this, you talk a lot about the movies you liked as a kid, about kids going on their own Goonies-like adventures. This movie seems built for that mentality. So my guess is that you fucking love 
this movie or loved it. And because of that, probably still love it. I like how this movie starts off as a little scroll about the ancient history of Dracula and, and there's some trouble and, and it takes place in whatever times. And in that scroll and that well-written, well-scripted ye old English scroll, that's talking about how a group of rebels were, were going to march upon the Dracula castle and down this evil once and for all and save humanity. In that scroll that we know how scrolls work, the very last line that's describing how this movie works is the sentence, they blew it. Yeah. It totally abandons the pretense of, of, of the grammar they're using, the voice, and it just gives you, they blew it. Right from the start, this movie is telling you, nope, it's a joke. Yeah. And I like that. I do I do like that. What's, what was your initial thought coming into it? Um, coming into it, I was real nervous. Because I did love it as a kid. And I only got to see it a few times. I think we talked about that in the first half of this, that I didn't really watch it a lot. But when I watched it, I loved it. So, and, But at this point, we know how stuff from our past works. Why would you be nervous that you wouldn't like it now, even if you know? Because we've done this a few times with things that don't hold up. <clears throat> For some reason, I wanted this one to really hold up. Um, I... I just have always had an affinity for it. I've never gone out to seek it, partly because I didn't want it to be ruined. I didn't want to find out it was a bad movie, a terribly put-together film, just chock full of cheesy 80s crap, which kind of it is. But Well, it is, but I think that's why it's appealing. Yeah. I think that's why it was appealing to us as kids. Yeah. And so coming back to it, I didn't recognize the opening. And it's probably the part I saw the least because it, usually if I saw it, it was already going um, as I was flipping around the cable channels. Um, so I didn't recognize the opening, loved how it opened, and then it just gets right into it. Like there's really not a lot of setup and they make you just assume a lot of things and it just goes into it. And I had this just wash of memories coming to me as I was seeing – um, just the the shots of the movie, the lines of dialogue that I haven't heard in forever that totally took me right back to to my childhood. Oh, so this is this is really ingrained in your head. Oh my god, there are scenes and moments from this movie that I hadn't thought about in years. That as soon as they were happening, I was like, "Holy shit, it's that moment!" And it's like it just came right back there. The I'm jumping ahead, but the ending, especially, there's so many moments from the ending. That that just I've been that been bottled up inside me for years and years and years, um, and now they're out again. So when that's hitting you, just to ask this up front: when 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 you're watching the movie and everything is washing back, coming back to you, is the memory just I remember these moments in the movie, or are you remembering yourself as a kid watching this? Like, do you remember where you were sitting when you saw it, what you were feeling? Like, where what it's, is the memory? The the memory is the. Feeling, I I have no recollection aside from probably in the, you know the the front room of that babysitter we've talked about a lot where I've seen most of my movies on cable, um, very terrible babysitter, um, so I had that memory, but I've also had- one of our subscribers on Facebook. Thank you, <laughs> I've thank had you, that Madeline. Memory. But really, for for this movie, it was it was the the sense memory and the giddy feeling and the excitement. Of seeing these monsters on screen, these these modern takes of monsters that, <clears throat> as a kid, I had already seen and been introduced to and loved the Universal monsters, and so to see the modern version of them, <clears throat> excuse me, or what was modern at the time that I first watched it, 
it was just awesome. And then to have that feeling again, uh, watching it this past week was was just thrilling. I love it. These are the versions of the Universal monsters, right? The Universal horror films of the 30s and 40s. Like uh, that's the version they're going for. Yeah, I mean it's it's each it's each monster. It's the the Frankenstein monster. It's Dracula. It's the creature from the Black Lagoon. It's the mummy. And it's the werewolf. Uh, but it's it's not the exact version of the werewolf. Like the the, the werewolf from you know the the forties uh, was more of a flat faced, big haired kind of creature. And so you got this modern take of the werewolf with the snout and the and the claws and things uh, and and just the um the 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 more realistic wolf kind of looking character that we've seen in other movies werewolf from london and um you probably know the guy that his name is escaping me that did the uh makeup work here uh, so well, there's a couple people who worked in this i think stan winston stan winston creature designers for this movie and he worked on stuff like terminator and predator and Manimal. So yeah, his name's here. It's actually this. It's weird. This movie has a pretty impressive, creative, uh, uh, what pedigree or whatever to it. Because yeah, Stan Winston, who's an amazing just creature feature designer, worked on the makeup for I think yeah, like the the Frankenstein, the Wolfman. Richard Edlin, who's the visual effects supervisor, uh, he kind of he worked on like the original Star Wars trilogy. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Ghostbusters, Die Hard. And like he he pioneered a lot of special effect camera work in the late 70s and early 80s that shaped the idea of blockbusters. He worked on this. I mean, it's written by Shane Black, you know, who's done like at that point had done Lethal Weapon, but also did like Last Boy Scout, Last, Last Action Hero. There's a lot of hands in this movie. Um, and yeah, working with these characters that people knew. I, I, I was asking if these were the universal monsters because there's two things going on with that. One, this isn't a universal movie. This is a tri, <coughs> excuse me, this is a TriStar release. The, the, the company with the horse, the, the wings and all that. The, the TriStar put this out. So it's odd. I mean, I guess these are public domain rights characters, but I really feel like this movie is paying homage or reaching back to or trying to recreate something about these 30s and 40s horror movies because this is a movie about being a fan of horror movies this is probably the first movie i saw as a kid that was actually about fandom this idea of fandom yeah and it makes sense now that you you point out that it's not a universal movie in the movie they refer to the creature from the black lagoon monster as the creature um i think it's gilman too but it's it's gilman in the credits I don't oh, know if he okay. says Gilman in the movie. I don't recall that. But uh, uh, Creature Stole My Twinkie, which is a line I completely erased from my memory for God knows what reason. But then when I hear it, it's like I that like the the sense memory of this movie uh, was so overwhelming when I watched it. Because this is one of those rare ones where I literally I saw it three or four times, absolutely loved it, and then never saw it again until like five days ago. So your memory of it, though, going into it, did you remember, like, the plot? Did you remember what it was about? Because like you said, this this movie wastes no time. Yeah. I remembered that – no, I don't I don't remember that there was this um, mysterious amulet or crystal that they had to get. Um, I don't remember any of that. I just remembered that all these creatures, for whatever reason, were in town and only the kids realized That's the realized thing, for it. whatever reason. There's no reason there for is them no reason. to be in That's town. The- like it's so ridiculous. Like 
there, uh, the Dracula. There's a convergence going, you could say. But yeah, how does everyone arrive in this yeah, little uh, small town in USA? So we jump from that, you know, Van Helsing flashback to modern day, and Dracula apparently with Frankenstein's monster is again for no reason we're ever told being shipped in an airplane somewhere and he escapes his box uh kills the pilot um releases pilots, by the way very enjoyable duo those two pilots <laughs> yeah in a moment um, that's removed from the, the the film itself they're just kind of bantering in this cockpit i mean this movie is a joke it knows it's a joke it's a joke but it's a it's a it's a really well done joke like watching it like this movie the effects are fantastic um the 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 kid actors are good like i compared to uh, teen witch um, Teen Witch was just like a piece of crap compared to this movie, and I'm not saying well, this compared is like, to this movie. Isn't that what I said? Yes, yeah, so I'm just saying like Teen Witch isn't a piece of crap, just comparative <laughs> crap. Comparatively, but like the effects, the 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 acting, the 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 story, even though it's uh, this mishmash hodgepodge just squeezed together, you, you're you're not really supposed to know all the details. It just is happening. Everything's just happening. Um, but it visually is cool. Um, it's just, it's like, I thought I was going to be seeing just a really cheesy eighties movie, late eighties. Well, you movie. are, you're seeing a cheesy eighties movie. I disagree. I like, there's some cheese to it, but it's, it's a well-made movie. Like it is a, it's a fun movie. It's, it's a, a well-made fun movie. And it's a quality get- movie, like compared to a, like a teen witch. Well, which I don't think is not- well-made. Not using Teen Witch as the baseline. Maybe we need to find something else. Because that's not something either one of us watched as a kid. Sure. But, like, I think of these kind of movies, The Goonies, even though I'm not a fan of it, The Goonies is my go-to kids in peril, kids in the driver's seat kind of plot action movie. Would you agree with that? The Goonies is kind of the... uh, Is this movie a version of The Goonies? Does this play off of those same familiar feelings you might get from, you know, the bunch of kids in in the underground escaping from adults that are in Goonies? Yes, I would say so, for Mm -hmm. sure. Now, but, and I guess this is what I'm wondering, because in Goonies, there's a set world, the town they live in. There's a set predicament. Their houses are going to be sold. And there's a set goal. We have a treasure map. We're going to find One-Eyed Willie's gold. So the kids go off and do this as kids, and they're isolated from adults, and, and there's a whole adventure that follows. So all that, with the exception of the sloth character, all of that follows some rational logic, some rational sense, and there's a plot, and you can follow it, and it's got substance to it. This movie, Monster Squad, one of which, it, it does waste no time, which is odd to me, because my memory is that it took forever to get to the monsters in this movie <laughs> from having seen it. And it doesn't. You get them right off the bat. The, yeah. the opening prelude or prelude that's set in the past is beautifully shot. It looks like an old Universal movie. Right. Like, they take some time to show you the sets with the skeletons. It's a like creepy-looking skeleton. Cool zombies crawling around. Like, it's a good-looking sequence that's paying homage to something, these Universal monsters. And that's, and that's I guess... What I'm wondering is this movie does that and in a way is trying to make a version of that, but there's no logic to this movie. There's no structure that really, because like you're saying, there's this airplane that flies over this town. Dracula is in one coffin, I guess Frankenstein's in the other, and he gets them to get dropped out and they fall into this lake in the swamp that's inhabited already by a gill man, right. by the, 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 the creature. The creature. 
coincides with a night where a mummy leaves a museum. There's <laughs> a mummy exhibit and that mummy kind of wanders out. In that out. town. Yeah. In that town. And there's a guy who's a werewolf. <laughs> in he's that in town. jail. It's a full moon in that town and he's a werewolf. So you could maybe say, oh, there's some sort of convergence. And that's the thing. I think if this movie was made today... There'd be a lot of backstory here. There'd right. be the origin, swelling origin of the mighty convergence drawing these creatures together and they'd all have some sort of a history together. They they do and they don't because Dracula is their leader and they're all serving Dracula, but there is no explanation to how Gilman got there. No. There is no explanation to where the Wolfman came from. And again, an event is occurring. And they kind of say that in the movie. There's some weird every 100 years dimensional rift happening. So you could... You can get to the point where and, that's why these creatures conglomerate. Here. And how do but, you get to that? How do you get to that point? Because a parent found a book at a garage sale that happened to be Van Helsing's uh, uh, diary in that town for sale, randomly purchased by the family of the boy that is part of a monster club. Well, that's the part that gels together it's a monster club again this is a movie about fans yep you have um was it horace who they keep calling fat kid um i think patrick sean rudy and there's this cool kid who smokes cigarettes rudy the the kid who rides the bike that this director really likes showing off his butt his butt's in a lot of shots (laughs) and that's odd i did not notice that part Every time he pulls up on his bike, the kid, it's it's framed in such a way that his butt <laughs> is taking up the screen, and it's in these pair of jeans, and that was a little off-putting. But you have these four characters who are established as nerds or uh-huh. geeks or fanboys. Yeah. So the fact that one of them gets Van Helsing's notebook, that's a plot contrivance that actually makes sense. That would be the trigger point for the movie. It's like, well, they're into this. They get this. All right. It's contrived. But that, to me, makes sense. The mom, who's also in Lethal Weapon, gives him this book because that's what he's into. I get that. I don't fully get (laughs) the allegiances of these monsters, the rules of these monsters, what exactly is happening here in this town. That doesn't really get set up. And again, that's not necessarily a problem. It's just I definitely felt like watching this that, yes, you can make this movie today because it's a shared universe. It's all these different monsters in one universe. But nowadays, it would be so intricately plotted. Right. There would be all these connections. Or they'd make it a TV show like Buffy, and there'd be all these other connections to stretch it out over over episodes and episodes. And I guess I'm wondering, take out the nostalgia, see this now for the first time with adult eyes, does that work? Maybe it worked then, but does that work now in the 21st century for a movie to kind of just show up? And just give you the monsters you want without giving the backstory, the structure, and the rules of this universe. I th- I think it I for me it still works. Maybe that that's the nostalgia talking, but I think it works because it's not trying to be uh, any better than that. Uh, it wants to be cool monsters, cool effects, cool moments. It doesn't necessarily want to be a movie that makes a lot of sense. It just wants to give you the moments that you'll enjoy. The the lines as a kid, it gives this as, to kids. Yeah, yeah. Is I this think a movie it's a kid an adult movie. would enjoy on their? It is a kid movie. It's very much a kid yeah. movie. Which is, I think, is awesome because it's a kid movie with a lot of swearing. It's a kid movie where the kid smokes incessantly, yeah. and that's cool. That's fine. It's it's a movie where the kids are are horny. And they're spying on and taking pictures of this girl. And they eventually use those 
pictures to blackmail her into helping them, <laughs> which is odd. I mean, it has all of these elements. Then you look at the writing pedigree and the production pedigree. I said that twice. You look at the, the, the creative staff and it's like, it's Shane Black. You know, it's like he does macho adult films, you know, tongue in cheek action movies is what he does. This is, this is what he can do for a kid's movie, but it's got all these weird trappings that I'm going to ask this. Cause I, th- I feel like you always bring it up. Would you show this to your girls? Um, I, I don't know. Yeah. You know what? I think I would. I mean, we talked about it at the first half. My, my plan was to kind of have it on, um, during the day when they're at home and, and see if they come to it, if they watch it. Turned out just the way my schedule worked out, I had to watch it at night. And it is a little bit more sexualized uh, and there is a lot of swearing, but it's the kind that I think would go over their heads a bit. And it, it did when I was a kid. I didn't get all of the, the references. Did it go over your head or was it just, and this is what I'm wondering. It's like as a kid seeing this on the big screen – it was a little dirty. It was a little, you know, again, it's bigger than television, bigger than mm. comic books. So that was great. And that was part of the appeal. That dumb sequence that I was staging in the first half about the kick him in the nards, wolfmen don't have nards. That's so funny to a kid. Yeah. Because that's not a word you hear. You do now. I'm sure they say it on Nickelodeon all the time. But back then, that was something new. So isn't the language, isn't the swearing, isn't the adult, I'm going to say it again, pedigree of Shane Black still doing his Shane Black stuff, but in a kid's movie, that's part of the appeal. You know, it's like a garbage pail kid, this movie. It's like, this is a little grosser than your parents want you to see. So I don't, do you think that went over your head as a kid or do you think, I was very much aware. I mean, I guess I didn't understand a couple of jokes, but I was aware that this was a dirtier movie than um, what I was used to. Yeah, you know, I, I hadn't really considered that. Um I never I don't I don't think I ever watched something and thought that this is uh beyond my age level and I'm I'm getting away I'm with not something. Saying by beyond watching. the age level. I'm saying it's it's like like I remember the first time I saw Animal House, you know, as a kid. Mm. You know, the first R rated comedy. So I know it's R, but it's also like it was just jokes that I wouldn't normally hear in Family Ties, you know, or, yeah. or in whatever PG movie I was going to see. The, these were a different breed of jokes that, that are funny. Dirty jokes are funny. Swearing is funny. Honestly, the kid always smoking is kind of funny. <laughs> and so as a kid seeing that, it was something new, but it's still, it's aimed at kids. That's thing, like Animal House was aimed at adults. As a kid seeing it, I wasn't getting all the jokes, but I found enough of it funny, and I had this feeling that I'm seeing something that's adult, so that's fun. Monster Squad is not aimed at an adult audience. I don't think it's even aimed at people who grew up with the Universal movies. I think it's aimed at kids. Yeah. The people who make it have a fondness for these creatures, and and, and there's the idea that these kids in the movie do as well, but... Like, do you like the representation of these monsters? Do you like Dracula? Um, Dracula is the one monster in this movie that I don't think works very well. He's the main villain. He's terrible. He's not a very good Dracula. No? No, I don't think he is. What would have made him a better Dracula? He's got the cape. He's got the the the, the strange Anglophile attitude. No, he needed to be a little more sinister. Um, I don't like the red cape. Uh, I, I I think it should have been a darker, more sinister Dracula. He seemed to me like 
your generic sort of Dracula. He was a kid dressing up as Dracula. I mean, isn't that what this movie is? Like a movie I, of dress up and I don't kind think of so, like the recognizable the other, the other creatures are not creatures dressing up. They're not like a kid version of those. The other creatures are very cool and scary and creepy. Um, the the creature from the Black Lagoon is is just phenomenal. The way he but looks. But that's what that creature is. That's what that creature looks like. But I'm saying, like, it could have been softer. I think the eh. I think the Dracula is soft. You do in this movie compared to what it could have been. And so why do you think they the went that ones. way? The mummy, why do you think they went? I think the mummy in this is one of my favorite mummies. He's smaller than you would think, mm-hmm. um, and just skinny and small, and just made it so creepy. Um, that mummy and the werewolf was, was decent, you know. Do you like the werewolf in this, huh? You like what he—he's he, got a weird look to him. He's I'd got say. a different look, but I—I I liked it. It was—it was more wolf-like, um, and I like. Uh, we we kind of started talking about this before we started recording. I like the werewolf character. There are different ways to play it, but generally, it's played. I, I like it when it's played like it's played in this movie, where the guy that is the werewolf. Knows he's the werewolf, doesn't want to be the werewolf, tries to stop himself from being the werewolf. And that's like its own little mini story inside this movie. This guy at a jail cell telling the police to lock him up and they're not doing it. And it makes him crazy. It's like, no, you got to lock me up. But then he turns into a werewolf, tears the place apart, escapes. It doesn't work. And then at the end, he finally dies and he says, thank you. And it's over. And, you know, that's been done before, but it really works in this movie. And I, I like it. It's a fun little story. There's no backstory to that no, guy. No, We're attached to him because we know the rules of how a werewolf works. We right. know he's a victim of this Jekyll and Hyde transformation. So it works for us, sure, because it's dressed up that way. Like, I... It's still like the hairy creature with the pants and the white <laughs> shirt. Like, that is what you think of. So it's giving us these cues. I, I find it interesting that, yeah, that storyline of the werewolf makes perfect sense. He's more heroic than the other characters. Why is he serving Dracula, though? Why does he show up to help Dracula? You know, it's the kind of thing where, like you're saying, you just have to go with it. That once you see like oh but you're not going with Dracula you you don't like Dracula in this movie no but you're I'm picking going and with choosing the idea, what you go with I'm going with the idea of what's happening and clearly mm-hmm. like I have no idea how the amulet got into this town into the basement right? of that house I have no idea but I'll accept it why why is it not important to you in this one instance because the movie itself is. It's light enough. It's comical enough. It's it's scary enough that that's all it needs to be. It's just this this collection of cool moments, cool scenes, cool kids spouting off cool lines. I don't care that the idea of it doesn't make sense. I don't care that they don't tell me why all these creatures are following Dracula's orders. You know, Dracula is. I know I don't like this particular Dracula, but I know Dracula is a very powerful being. All he has to do is is stare at somebody in the eyes and and they'll do their bidding. Same with Frankenstein's monster. I understand that that he doesn't necessarily have to do what Frankenstein tells him to do because he's a different entity altogether. In this movie, like when he is sent out by Dracula to kill the kids for a reason I don't even remember. 
like why that was. But he goes to kill the kids. And it, I get that it's not going to take much for Frankenstein to have a change of heart and want to be more human and be with the kids because that's Dracula or that's Frankenstein's story. Um, and so it, I just you just go with it because it's because it's a decent enough movie. It's well shot. It's well acted. The effects are great. The only well, what's another movie you like give was, that much leeway to? What's another movie I would give that much? Le- well, I think I give Goonies a lot of leeway. But what's the leeway in Goonies? It's set up. It makes sense. It, they it establish. Makes, it makes more sense. Yeah. So let's not use Goonies. What is something else that I give leeway to because it's just a fun movie? Um, Mystic Pizza. Maybe Driving Miss Daisy. I recently rewatched. This is probably a bad example, but only because I rewatched it uh, recently was uh, um, Rumble in the Bronx with Jackie Chan. Is that a Jackie Chan movie? Yeah, okay. I've never so seen it. So it's a Jackie it, but... Chan movie. It's Rumble in the Bronx. I don't give a shit what the story is. You're not watching a Jackie Chan movie for the story. You're watching it for the action sequences, for the fight scenes. So you know, and for the comic bits. And it was. An, I will enjoy Rumble in the Bronx, and a lot of people do, and a lot of people did, and I think it was praised and critically praised. It's not a well-made movie. It's not well shot, but it has your cool sequences, your cool moments. It's not well acted, but it's got some funny bits, you know? But it's, is it's Monster Squad just a bunch of cool sequences? I kind of feel like it is. I don't think it's 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 – you're not watching Monster Squad for the story – you're not watching it to see uh, what was it, um, Patrick or Sean? I can't remember which. Make amends with his dad. You're not watching it to see that family <laughs> come together at the end. That, that's just that's there, but that's not why you're watching it. You're watching it to see Wolfman get kicked in the nards. So why do you have the dad that's actually a sympathetic dad? Because you and the partner who dies in the exploding. Oh my god, car. the partner dies. I forgot that. And nobody cares. Oh, it's just, nobody bats an eye. He just dies, and we move on. Um, it's, uh, you need, I mean, it, it's, I think it would, it's what elevates it a, a little bit more uh, above Rumble in the Bronx, above <laughs> Teen Witch. It elevates it a little bit because there are these extra layers, your little mini Wolfman story. You don't necessarily need the huge backstory because all these things are very common well, you tropes. You don't get one. Yeah. They're, they're common tropes. I mean, that's, what is that? That's E.T. a little bit. That's, uh, um, E.T. had a setup, had a plot. It had a direction it was going. But I'm saying there's little things in there that are just enough of a clue that you can kind of get what's going. You fill in the blanks. You assume there is a reason the amulet's there. You assume there's a reason for for X, Y, and Z, and and you go with it because the rest of it's fun enough uh, that it doesn't matter. That's asking a lot of your audience. And I'm saying that in agreement with you, by the way. I think that this movie works because it doesn't care. But... I, it's just odd to me because I don't – I think we hold every other movie ever that we've watched to the opposite standard of this movie. Well, and maybe this is why – I think why... most of the time we're asking for where's the logic, why is this, why, what's happening. Sure. We need that in a movie. This movie abandons it from the beginning when they tell you they blew it. Like they're already breaking the tone. Could that be – And then they be, go right back into the... – Could that be why this movie – isn't as popular as, as as a Goonies movie, which does have a, a plot you can follow. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know 
Why did Goonies catch on? I mean, this has a huge cult following, which I was surprised to find out. People do love this movie. I mean, I saw it it's 10 years ago now, but I saw it at a revival house that did a screening, and it was packed with people excited. To, I think it had just come out on Blu-ray, maybe. People were excited to see it. Yeah, why does something like Goonies... Goonies is a hit. It makes money. People rented it. This is something and you, you see multiple times. This is something you saw once or twice in your childhood. Why didn't you go back to it? Was it because did you already say is it because it's hard to find or was there something another reason? Um, at first, I didn't go back to it because it was hard to find. I would have watched it every day um, for most of my childhood if it, if it was that accessible to me. Um, I didn't have it uh, on, on tape or anything. I didn't even have a VHS player uh, for, or VCR for the longest time. And then when when we did, it wasn't out there. It wasn't the movie that I would see on the shelf. And if it was on the shelf, I, for whatever reason, never noticed it. Um, and, and, yeah, so maybe that's part of it. But then who makes that decision? Who decides to push Goonies out there and make sure you get to see Goonies multiple times on TV? Steven and, Spielberg, and not I think, the makes that Squad. decision. I think it's a Steven Spielberg-produced movie <laughs> might be why that gets the attention. It has more of a budget. but And I cut you off earlier, and I apologize for this. I had one question. I'm going to follow up on this first. You're talking about the effects in the movie. And there's an effect in the movie you do not like. Did yeah, I well, the one in? the one effect that doesn't work is the the swirling uh, vortex that that you see at the beginning of the movie, and then again at the end, uh, that kind of sucks all the bad guys away. It, it sucks up scraps. Yeah, uh, that was the and one. A lot of dead bodies that, that didn't quite work for me. Oh, really? Yeah. I like the look of that. I thought that was. I mean, it's an '80s animated effect. I liked the kind of spectral look of that. Funnel. That's well, I also think the because thing I the rest of the effects the in the movie are are so tangible, like they're all like um, they are, yeah. Um, just your your uh, manual tangible effects, uh, whereas that mm-hmm. is more of a screen type of effect at, at the time. That's true. No, there are some good looking effects. Who? So when you liked this as a kid, was there one character you were identifying with? Is there a character that you identify with? You think of as the character in this movie that you liked that that the movie's about? Um, <clears throat> Those are two different questions, I guess. Yeah, no, I don't know if there was really a character I identified in with. I don't think I felt I was as cool as as the the kids in the Monster Squad. Um, maybe I guess I felt like Patrick because he was like. The one regular kid that didn't seem to have any other issue. He wasn't the fat kid. He wasn't the kid with the the parental problems. Um, mm-hmm. He wasn't Phoebe, the the young hanger on girl uh, who actually saves the day at the end. Um, so maybe I was like Patrick, but I never felt like really connected to to them. Um, Which is weird then. Yeah. Because isn't that the draw of a kid's movie? You're identifying, connecting, or putting yourself... I mean, that's... I think the Goonies works because there's a variety of those characters and you find the one you either identify with or want to be like, and you follow them. I mean, I think... Again, not the biggest Goonies fan, but uh, is it Sean Astin Mm -hmm. or Mackenzie Astin? Sean Astin's character in that movie um, with with the asthma dispenser is a character I related to. So I followed him in that story. I found Mouth to be the funniest because he did all these crude jokes. He was like a comedian, so someone might identify with him. Mm-hmm. If you're older, you can identify with Thanos there. But, you know, like it's you, – you, you have – I feel like you have to have someone to attach to. And it's odd to me. And as I'm thinking of it now, it's actually impacting my opinion of this movie a little bit. Who do you – if you're not an overweight kid who's made fun of, which is a horrible sense to say, but I'll say it. 
who in this movie are you are are you relating to? Who is the character you like? Who's your in? Because that's key to all movies, really. But as a kid, there had to be someone, being an adult character, a kid character, that you felt you could see the world through their eyes. Well, I think for me, there wasn't like one kid I necessarily saw myself in. But I I did like the fantasy, the idea, and we've talked about this before, of being a kid that is more aware of what's going on than the adults and has to to save the day and has to figure out the thing. And so I think that appealed to me. Not the particular- This movie has that. Oh, yeah. It definitely has has that. So I I didn't feel connected to any particular character. In fact, there's a couple characters that just sort of show up that I, I didn't realize they were part of the group. Uh, at first, um, they just were there. Um, the kid whose Twinkie gets eaten y- yeah. by Gilman. Like when did when did he show up? Yeah, I'm not sure. Because um, I thought he was a different character at first. Yeah, and so so the idea of that is what I connected to for sure. But there wasn't like a character like I want to be like like Sean or I want to be like Rudy, um, but more like I want to have the same kind of adventure these kids are having. Does it feel like a lot was taken out of the movie? I could see that. Yeah. I, it feels, I mean, it's a short movie. It's under an hour and a half. I yeah. I, I could definitely see that. Um, because as we've been saying, there's just a lot that you have to assume. There's a lot they just jump to real quick. They they bring characters in that weren't a part of it 20 minutes ago. And now they're like one of the main people in the group. Um, yeah. Like, I don't. I didn't realize, like, Phoebe's related to one of them, and I can't remember who, but I didn't realize she was until near the end of the movie. Like, sure, there's probably a lot that they had to take out or chose to take out. I guess chose to because, and again, maybe it wasn't there from the beginning. Maybe this is something Shane Black tossed off in a weekend when he wrote it. But I just feel like they took out the things that probably would have made this movie more of a hit. Having, I mean, the kid, the kids' characters are enjoyable enough. They do a decent job, but again, it's all moving so fast. You don't get a moment. This, I don't mean to be harping on it, but you don't get a moment to identify with the kid. It's not like the Breakfast Club, where it's like, here's four archetypes. Which one are you? You know, or the Goonies, or you know, fucking Star Wars, the X Men. You know, I'm thinking of that right now because the X Men were all adults from my vantage point as a kid anyways. But I related to them because they all had something going on. I related to Nightcrawler, not because of his church stuff, but because of his good-natured joking stuff, a character I don't relate to now because I don't have that side anymore. But that's the beauty of the X-Men. The characters are developed enough that you're identifying with one of them. And if you don't have to identify with the same one your friend who's also reading the issue identifies with because they're all integral to the story. I'm not understanding how this movie works without having that because the kid, Rudy, maybe that's who kids relate to because he's cool. Horace, I guess, has that thing of being picked on in school, so you could identify with that. But none of them have really a heroic story short of killing something. And I had an issue with that. (laughs) These kids straight up murder some people. They build, they make silver bullets they make bows and arrows. They make f- explosives. And they're pegging off and taking out. Um, there's this group, this trio of vampire girls that they take down. They shoot them dead. They, they shoot. You say the- they. I think it was just Rudy who did all those things you just listed. No, because Horace gets a gun too. 
Does he? Horace gets a shotgun because that's when he tells oh, that's right. the ugly kid from the Wonder Years to call him Horace. That's right. And again, I get it within the story. I'm watching it thinking like, why couldn't it have been a mystical sword he used? I, I get it. It's guns because that's the context of the stories. They're they're out hunting. And, and for the most part, Rudy uses the weaponry that would <clears throat> take down those characters. The bow and arrow so you can do the stake through the heart. Silver bullets so you can kill a werewolf. So I get it and all, but it's like, I don't know. I, I There's nothing identifiable. Like, I don't identify with these characters, even though they're fans, even though they're fanboys. They're the earliest version of fanboys they ever saw. And they're sitting in their little clubhouse talking about the monsters, and they do that monster quiz to Rudy to see if he can join the monster squad. I'm like, that. that I guess that's the one moment I'm like, I get this. Mm-hmm. This is probably why I like this movie, because I was discovering comic books at the time as my toy fandom. Maybe. I mean, it it wasn't for the duration of this conversation up to that point. (laughs) Is that enough? I don't know if that's enough. Because that scene feels a little tacked on only to service a moment of the plot. Because what happens, and this this bothered me as a kid... This bothered me as a child, which I find out. I get why it bothers me now. That scene we're talking about in the clubhouse. So uh, Patrick, Sean, and Horace have a monster club where they get around and they talk about old horror movies. They like or horror books. They like Stephen King. They like old horror films. Rudy, for a reason that's never explained, and I'm so curious to why, <laughs> Rudy stands up for Horace. Rudy is the coolest kid in the school. Leather jacket, cigarettes, kids cower from him. He stands up for Horace, the, the, the kid they keep calling Fat Kid, and yeah. he wants to join the monster group. There's no reason for it. There's no explanation of it. I would like to see that a little bit, but the, the focus on this for a minute, the thing that bothered me is like he's in, he's in the clubhouse. He's like, can I join your, your little club or not? So they give him a test. They're like, we're going to give you the monster test. And it's it's the thing that people do, unfortunately, now into a dick way on Twitter when someone's like, I like Star Wars. Oh, do you? Do you know these obscure facts about Star Wars? Blah, blah, blah. They're basically doing that to Rudy by asking him all these different questions about classic horror movies. And it's, it is fun. There's some joy to that. They ask him, what are the two ways to kill a werewolf? Is the question they ask him. And he gets it wrong, or I think he says silver bullet, but he can't think of the second thing. So they say, oh, you got that question wrong. He asks them, what's the other way? They don't know. <laughs> they kind of look at each other like, oh, there's there's two ways. There isn't, historically <laughs> speaking. And, and this is proven later in the movie because the Wolfman gets blown up yeah. by, a, by dynamite. In his pants. And you, and is put in his pants, and you see his limbs scattered across the ground. Yeah. And then he rejoins. Yeah. He rebuilds himself as a werewolf, which is not something the werewolves could do. But and then Rudy, the, good, that the cool first kid, time, takes him to... What was that? Seeing that the first time as a kid, that was mm. that was awesome. That was amazing. Did it seem odd that that was happening? No, because as a kid, as just this dumb kid who likes monsters and monster movies... And having that set up in the scene you were just talking about, I thought that was pretty freaking cool. But it's not what werewolves do. (laughs) Why not? Well, I've never seen it in any of the Twilight movies, which were books, (laughs) Twilight books. But I, I, so, I mean, we should talk about that, but but to to finish up the, the previous point... The werewolf builds himself back together, and and Rudy, the kid who wanted to be in the club, and they had asked that question of what's the two ways to kill a, 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 a werewolf. He he shoots a silver bullet 
from his gun, I think, that he made in shop class. Yeah. <laughs> He's making bullets in shop class. Nice montage he, scene of everybody getting ready. It's mostly Rudy getting ready. Yeah. But yeah, everyone's getting ready. But he fires a silver bullet into the werewolf and it kills him. And that's the scene you're talking about where the werewolf reverts to human and says, thank you, and then dies. Yeah. And that's so Rudy can then look to the kids and say, told you there's only one way to kill a werewolf. <laughs> First of all, that's the way you killed them. That doesn't prove it. <laughs> there might have been other ways you could do it, but detonating them in the pants doesn't kill them. But it's the truth is that is in the lore, at least in the universal movie lore, it is you kill a werewolf with a silver bullet. That previous conversation about there being two ways to do it is only there so the kid can have the cool moment of saying, that's how you do it. But nobody knew the other way. So it doesn't make sense in their world where there are these experts. They wouldn't be in the club that they're in, um, Patrick, Sean, and Horace. If to get into that club, they have to answer these questions. If they can't answer that question, they wouldn't be in the club. So there's a weird hole there that's just too distracting and takes me out of the movie because it's like that oh, yeah. earlier line is to set up this cool moment. Yep making the movie a series of moments. And that's hard to stay with. Like, I, I know I've gone back to the movie. This movie didn't necessarily stay with me. The experience of seeing it in the theater did. And and like you were saying, watching it, moments flash back like, oh, I remember this. But yeah. I have nothing to hold on to in this movie. Because <laughs> even their that's... version of fandom has holes in it. Yeah. And maybe that's why it... it didn't take off and stay popular like a Goonies um, mm-hmm. because it it is just a series of cool moments and you don't connect with it and it doesn't stick with you. Um, you like the moments well enough and you want to watch it two or three or four times, uh, but mm-hmm. then you can't watch much more than that because you've seen the moments. That's it. There's nothing else to connect to. It's great to go 20, almost 30 years maybe and not see it. <laughs> It, and then watch it on a on a on a weekday night, you know, on a school night, and absolutely love it again, because it takes you right back to those childhood moments of enjoying it. Uh, but yeah, maybe that's why it it has its cult status because it's it's remembered fondly, but it's not necessarily um, that type of movie that that will connect and move you. It doesn't move me. I'm not <laughs> at, at tears uh, when when Phoebe. Uh, you know, has to be the virgin that reads the the Latin incantations uh, as as hell is happening around her. That's I'm, I was never connected to her to begin with. You know, it's like so. Yeah, it's just these moments that are neat and fun. But yeah, it's not a a, a movie that's going to stick with you. But it stuck with you. Well, it sticks with a kid. It sticks with a kid who's seeing cool shit. Who's seeing werewolves blow up who is like you were pointing out hearing words and jokes and references to body parts that you're not used to that'll stick with you if this is your first time i loved Mm. the mummy movies and the werewolf movies in black and white so to see them in color that's sticking with me you know (laughs) so are we doing a disservice to what we saw as a kid are we treating entertainment differently like do you think some entertainment should only be taken once 
So you have the memories of these moments. Like, you know, the, yeah. the way that I experience things I like is to repeatedly watch them over and over in all these different scenarios. Does that work against something? Like Monster Squad exists as this memory where I think the memory is better than the film. Do you feel that way? Like the memory of the movie surpasses the, watching the movie for me. Yeah, I mean, I think that's basically what we've agreed upon here as we've gone through our, our conversation. Um, the memory of it is better than the film. Um, and I'm not saying the film is is trash. No, the film is enjoyable. I, it's, but, it's fun. But uh, it it has its problems. It's not going to win any awards. Um, I think it won a Saturn Award for creature design. Well, there you I go. I could be wrong on that. Proven me wrong again. Well, I could be wrong. But yeah, no, it, it makes sense. And I think there are other things like that. I think I think there are things from our childhood that if we were to go back to and try and watch them repeatedly like we did. I haven't done this, but I kind of want the girls to see some Scooby-Doo's. Um, and I'm just going to be I'm, – I'm probably going to be a little disappointed watching them uh, as an adult because they were of the moment. They were my, my kid viewing and, and that was – worth it then and i don't know if it'll be worth it to sit there and watch a whole bunch but i want my kids to experience it um so yeah maybe you're right that there's like just things that are made for you as a kid uh in that moment that that will work and maybe there's things made for you in your teenage years and your college years that work in that moment uh but aren't necessarily going to be uh something that carries with you huh so is this a good reality or a bad reality as the movie goes for you uh, for me, it's it's a good reality, <laughs> and it's still something I think someday I'll I'll want my girls to watch, uh, if they ever you know work up the courage. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good reality for me too. I was on the fence only during the conversation. <laughs> Going into this conversation, <laughs> I was convinced that I I liked it, and then in talking with you, I kind of waned a little bit back and forth. But yeah, it's it's a fun film. Yeah. And it gives kids something to watch without their adults. And maybe that's – because that's how I saw it in a movie theater with no adults, just my friends. And maybe that's the magic of this movie. It's not for adults. Yeah. <laughs> like me liking it now is liking it as a kid seeing it. I'm not interested in these characters. Exactly. I'm not interested in the universal monsters as a whole. I like the creature from the Black Lagoon, but that's about it. So, yeah, I think it's a good memory and a, a good reality. And it's interesting. This – in talking about it, this is making me think more about the things from childhood and almost questioning why do I have to still have them on DVD? Why do I have a DVD of fucking Megaforce? Why did I have to get that? I haven't watched it since I got it, and I got it seven years ago. It's my favorite bad movie from the 80s, but it's in my head is a bad movie. Why do I have to get it? And maybe that does something different to to entertainment. Entertainment doesn't owe us more than a showing. It doesn't even owe us that, but I think for something to be put out there in the world, see it once, make your opinions, have your relationship, come back to it if you want, but I think we're asking too much. And I think that's definitely a product or an outcome or just a reality of having stuff on DVD, being able to own and rewatch stuff with such scrutiny and detail, which I like doing, has impacted, altered, and changed what things are, I think. That makes sense. I feel like because of this whiskey, the end of that sentence <laughs> broke apart. I think if you cut the show off right before you say, does that make sense? It will make complete sense. 
Oh, so unless it's a good edit, that won't have made sense. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to say about Monster Squad? Um, I don't think so, sir. No? No. All right. That was this week's 20th Century Pop. Thank you for listening, everyone, uh, on, on this, our Halloween episode. I'm sorry we missed an episode last week, but we'll be back uh, next week. And, and and what I would say, until we come back, and even once we come back, check us out online. That's what I'll say. 20th Century Pop um, has a website, 20popcast.com. If you go there, the most recent episode is always up there for streaming, as well as links to all of our past episodes. I think we have about 80-something episodes now that you can listen to. Um, why? you're there if you like the show if you want to uh, hear more of the show you can subscribe to us there's links to subscribe to us on apple podcasts on stitcher on google play and a lot of different podcast catchers so check us out there you can also follow us on facebook uh twitter at 20 popcast instagram at 20 popcast as well um and i would just say you know we're looking to engage with people so if you do like the show drop us a note drop us a review send us a tweet let us know that you're enjoying it so that we're not just drunkenly talking the microphones and then putting that on the air to no one bob is there any way you would like to wrap up this episode anything you want to plug uh, a couple of things i'd like to say i want to just um, um add to what you were saying uh you and i often have differing opinions or at least uh slightly at odds um engage with us and let us know who do you agree with more is tim in the right am oh. i uh, on this episode or any previous episodes, I'd be curious to find out. Sure. Um, I mean, I, I would steer clear of the word the right. I think just whose opinion, I guess, there to you decide go. with. Okay. Yeah, That's I mean, there's, there's no right opinions, just an extreme right ruin, ruining the country and driving into the ground. You can drop such a line uh, with me at Twitter, at RH Canning, if you want. Um, uh, nothing to plug this week, Tim, but there is one thing that I realized is glaringly absent from our Monster Squad discussion. And maybe we can just close with with your thoughts on Scary German Guy. Oh, we didn't talk about him, did we? Yeah, this movie throws you a curveball that actually it doesn't earn. Yeah. (laughs) There's a scary German guy who lives in this old house that they eventually go to to help him translate the Van Helsing journal and figure out what to do. And that's great. He's a great character. He's an old character. And he has the kids in for, and they have some cake and and, 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 and chocolate milk or something. And as they're leaving, uh, because he was telling them about Frankenstein and, and Dracula and how they work, as they're leaving, one of the kids turns to this scary old German guy and, 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 and says to him, you know a lot about monsters, is what the kid says to him as a compliment. And the older German guy kind of nods his head. He says, I suppose I do. He leans back in his house and he shuts his door. And as he shuts his door, the camera zooms in down to uh, his forearm, right below his wrist. And you see on his arm a series of digits. You see the tattoo that the uh, Third Reich, the Nazis, the bastardization of humanity, uh, put on their Jewish slaves in World War II in the internment camps. They're acknowledging that this old German gentleman was in an internment camp, a Jewish man in an internment camp during World War II. And this is in your little kid's monster movie. (laughs) And that's how it's in there. It's not acknowledged. It's not talked about. It's a little aside where he's saying, I've seen monsters before. It's a political statement. And it's a worthwhile statement that we would be dicks not to agree with. Yes, Nazis were monsters. It's weird in this movie, though. It's out of place, right? It is. It's out of place, but it's just that moment that you throw in that that gives you no backstory, but it, it, it hints to a backstory, and you, now you know who that guy is. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, what's weird is I don't remember that from childhood. When I saw it 10 years ago, that scene really jarred me. I was like, what? Because that that's a sad thing to think about. That, to me, as important as a comment and interesting as a comment and, and, and dramatic choices that is, that puts a... That distracts me from the movie. Right. It takes me a couple now how can you enjoy, it. you know, a man turning into a hairy beast, some fake, you know, gill man monster? How can you enjoy the, the, the horror of that when there's actual real horror in the world? See, I was bothered because it's 8675309 is his interpret. No, what you said. Yes, what you said. Oh. That's how you wanted to go out. I'll bring the music. Well, back I didn't up realize now. you were going to go that far with it. I didn't. Well, realize. Why are you bringing it up I, now? I, because you had hinted to, and I can't remember if we have it um, in the first episode or if it was just something you said while we were recording or after we recorded. You had hinted to your thoughts that you had on the German guy. Well, sure. Do I sound like a dick because of those thoughts? No, not at all. No, okay. I didn't know what those thoughts were going to be, and those were very poignant and decent thoughts. Uh, mm-hmm. It does take away from the silliness of the the film you sure know a lot about monsters i suppose i do in german camp tattoo that's how it ends that's not how it ends that's how the show is ending <laughs> that's the ending that's, of this show that's the ending of the show I monster guess. squad <laughs> next week the boys from brazil that movie about am i right on that am i thinking that's about nazis right i thought it was i thought schindler's list was too easy to say next week schindler's i mean plus i've never seen schindler's list so i have never seen schindler's list either because i don't want to watch a movie about uh that well you did you watched monsters i guess i did yeah Where that guy knew, uh, sure knew a lot about monsters. You know what I hope? You know what that I hope is did. playing right now? Our quirky, <laughs> no. upbeat theme music. <laughs> that's that's what I hope is playing under your or whole, Wagner's Ring cycle. Put it put it under your entire speech about the scary German guy. <laughs> okay. Or I'll just put weird horns that people hit when they do Pratt Falls. <laughs> <laughs> you sure do know a lot about monsters. Womp, womp, womp. I sure do, fart sound. And then you see the... T- yeah, okay. That's that. That's this. That's the episode. Whew. Then we're done. Once upon a time, it was one monster per movie. Those were the good old days. We're the Monster Squad. Awesome. Only one way to kill a werewolf. Monster Squad, rated PG-13, starts Friday, August 14th at a theater near you.